Jonathan, have you switched over the uh, from the wireless to the pulpit mic on the board? On the board. Have you switched over on the board? Huh? Camera's already going? Okay. All right. Well, if you're tuning in by live stream, welcome to our service tonight. And uh, Ms. Carmen, do you mind playing the a, a piano for a song or two? tonight and uh let's uh i think we'll sing um let's sing number 498 in our song books when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that'll be and uh looking forward to that aren't you so the older i get the more i look forward to it and uh so we'll sing all four verses number 498 Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. <coughs> Onward to the prize before us, soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the day that you've given to us to meet together again. And Lord, for the folks that have begun coming back and what a joy it is to have the time of fellowship. We pray that you'll bless the time that we spend here together tonight. And Lord, I know that so often we get busy with the week and the trials and the burdens and cares of life. And our thoughts are distracted sometimes as we come and meet together. Uh, we come here with heavy hearts and things that uh, would weigh heavy upon us. I pray that you would allow us for the next few moments to put those burdens at your feet and to put our hearts and our minds upon your word. And may your Holy Spirit have free reign to do as he would see fit in our hearts and our lives, that we would be yielded and sensitive to your leading as we listen to your word being taught and preached. We pray that you'll bless the time that we spend here together tonight. 
that it will bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number 502, <clears throat> Fanny Crosby song. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, uh, she says, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hands. We'll sing all five, uh, four verses, I'm sorry, 502, uh, all four verses. <clears throat> when my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view His blessed face and the luster of His kindly beaming eye. How my full heart will praise Him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Oh, the dear ones of glory, how they beckon me to come, and our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home, but I long to see my Savior first of all. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white, He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. I think the greatest joy of heaven is going to be our Savior. I'm glad, you know, when I was a kid, I loved the, 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 the streets of gold. I thought, boy, I'm going to be rich <laughs> I get to heaven. And uh, the walls of Jasper, the gates of Pearl, you read about all that. You read about Old Testament saints. And I thought, boy, I can't wait to talk to uh, people like David and how he killed, the Goliath, how he killed Goliath and, um, you know, Jonah and what it was like to be in the belly of the whale. And uh, I can't wait to talk to some of those people. And as a kid, I, I used to think, boy, that's going to be amazing. We get to heaven, we're going to get to do all these things, you know, and, and just enjoy the wonders of heaven. And as I get older, the more I realize the preciousness of my Savior and the great joy of heaven, the thing that's going to thrill our heart throughout eternity is our Savior. And, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you all, um, but I, 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 get, I get more and more anxious as the days go by. I really do. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, my son is at the point now, and I've heard him and my daughters 
uh, have mentioned, boy, I'd sure like to do this before the Lord comes back. I'd like to do that before the Lord comes back. And there's things they... And I tried to explain to them that uh, the things that we long to do, that we enjoy doing in this life, those things are going to change. And when we get to heaven, whatever we're doing in heaven for all of eternity, we're going to enjoy that and more, and uh, that much and more. And uh, so it's going to be like doing the favorite thing you love doing in all the world for the rest of eternity. And I can't wait to see it, the great joy that there will be in heaven. And... Uh, I think that's that's a wonderful, wonderful thought if you think about it. Well, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer for a few moments tonight. And uh, if you will, keep some folks in prayer. <clears throat> I uh, Pardon me for getting my phone out. I got a text just as I was on my way over here that I need to look at for Miss Linda Craig. She asked for prayer, and let me make sure I get that correct. Miss um, Linda Craig says she needs prayer for her family. Her sister-in-law, Alice, passed away. And also her nephew, Brad, is on hospice with brain cancer. And her stepdaughter, Wendy, fell and broke her leg in two places. And her daughter, Gerilyn, has a heart condition that they're trying to stabilize. Um, and so she's got quite a few requests there uh, for us to keep in mind. And so if you will, keep her in prayer. Also, June Bolin, uh, who she talked to me last Saturday, I think it was, and was not able to get her chemo treatments because her white blood counts were down again. So continue to pray for her. And also uh, the family situation. They have a family situation some of you are familiar with. And uh, continue to pray for that, for God's intervention on their uh, behalf. And that that would work out uh, to bring glory to the Lord and uh, be something that would be a, a help to the family. And uh, then, if you will, continue to pray for my sister, uh, Liam Britton. We did find... Uh, some things, the doctors found some things. They found a spot on her liver and a couple other uh, places. They found a few things that they're uh, concerned, I think, would be the word uh, about, but not anxious over it, not overly worried. They uh, seem to be fairly optimistic that it's uh, everything they have found is benign. Uh, but she will be doing some further testing this coming week um, and trying maybe possibly doing a biopsy or two. So pray for that, if you will. Um, the good news is they finally have found at least what is causing the source of her discomfort and pain, and now they're able to, to focus in on that and try to treat that and take care of it. So we thank the Lord uh, for that part, but still some more to pray for as well. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Bob Schwabert and the family uh, as he's under hospice care. We've mentioned him several times uh, over the last several weeks, and so please keep him in prayer. Continue to pray for the building to sell. Uh, over at Beacon Baptist that uh, they get that building sold. And uh, I'm sure the, the missionaries would be grateful, especially during this time with uh, all the things going on. I'm sure that it has affected them, and uh, a few dollars in their pocket extra would be, uh, I'm sure, a blessing at this time. So pray for, pray for that to uh, be something that could happen uh, fairly soon, amen, uh, that it could be done uh, rather quickly. Um, and then also continue to pray for my brother-in-law, TJ. Uh, he's home getting settled into uh, kind of the new routine of life with uh, the medication and everything. So far, not any uh, major adverse side effects to it. So I uh, pray that that will continue. And uh, so if you can continue to pray for him. And uh, then, of course, all of our folks that are kind of uh, stuck at home, uh, Gene Whitener, who uh, is not able to get out and about, uh, the kids and I, uh, Reagan and Jonathan, and I went down Monday uh, to spend some time with Miss Joanne Clark uh, down in Piedmont and uh, told her we'd be praying for her. 
and uh, she was not able to tune in. We had to get her computer going because she couldn't tune into the services here. So uh, she was excited to get that. And uh, but pray for her. She's uh, she's got some rough days ahead of her, as many of you can relate uh, to that, or several of you can relate to that. And um, continue to pray for her, if you will. All right. Uh, any other prayer requests? Miss Kim. Okay. Right, sure. 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 Well, good. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We can all relate to that sometimes. So. Yeah. All right. 
Oh no. Okay. All right. Okay. I have not heard anything further. So I did ask around a little bit and haven't heard anything about him personally. Uh, so I know the church either did vote or were going to vote or had somebody candidate here a week or so ago. So uh, I haven't heard what the outcome of that was. Uh, do you, do you, has any of you had an update on that at all? Okay. So other than that, I haven't. And about his personal health, I have not heard an update. I don't. I, I do think that we found out it is not that, so I'm not sure what it is though. I think. Okay. I I I thought I'd heard that it was not that, but I may be wrong. But I'll I'll see. I'll, I'll try to make another effort again this week. I've I've tried to get in touch with a few people that I thought would have contact with him or know him uh, well enough to have a contact information for him. I know him, but and and you know we'd say hey to each other when we see each other out in public, but I don't have his phone number, so I don't have a way to get a hold of him. So, okay, so maybe I can give him a call. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay, that may be. I'll I'll try to find out and see if we can get an update. Sure. Okay. We'll try to get a hold of him this week and see if we can get a, an answer. Also, I did I did forget, too, while I'm thinking about it, uh, Deneen McKinney called early this morning, and her son-in-law uh, is losing his job uh, because of the coronavirus shutdown and everything, and his name is Ryan. And so if you could please be in prayer for him. I'd, I'd forgotten to mention when you mentioned about Michael, I was thinking of him for some reason, and uh, kind of reminded me of that. So if you could keep uh, Ryan in prayer also. Okay. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Harold Hurchin. Uh I talked to Mrs. Hurchin the other day, uh, bumped into her at the gas station. Not literally. I just ran. I, I saw her. Uh, we talked for a little bit, and she was given a little bit of an update. So, yeah, continue to pray for Brother Hurchin, uh, Brother Harold Hurchin. Some of you know uh, that family over at Second Baptist, and uh, keep them in prayer. He's not been doing real well uh, here recently, and uh, he had fallen and broken, she said, right below the hip socket, I think it was. And uh, so they had to go in and uh, repair that and put a rod in, and then they had to go back and repair the socket afterwards because uh, – they didn't replace the socket because it was too close, I guess. But uh, anyway, continue to pray for him. He's got a lengthy, lengthy recovery. He was supposed to get out of the hospital, I think, and go to rehab this week. Uh, but I don't know if I had not heard. Oh, as of today? Okay. So I had not heard that update. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I got you. Okay. And I hadn't heard that update yet. Okay. So certainly. And that was just today that you got that one? Oh, just now. Okay. 
All right, so certainly be in prayer for the Hurchin family then during this time. I knew he was still still in some very difficult straits, but had not heard that. So, okay. All right, anything else? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. All right. And and after you said that too, she'd also asked prayer for the Uber driver lady that she's been praying for that has the stage four cancer. And so keep her in prayer also if you would. All right. Okay, anything else? Yes, ma'am, Miss Linda. I didn't, I didn't hear the first part of it. Okay, yes, your your sister your sister Mary. Okay. All right. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay, absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. So pray for these family members of uh, Miss Linda and Brother Richard. All right. Anything else? Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we come to you and we have many requests tonight that uh, are very urgent. And we think especially of uh, the Hurchins right now as they uh, just uh, recently have uh, received some bad news about Brother Harold. I pray that you would uh, intervene in the situation according to your will. And, Lord, give uh, strength and grace and comfort during this time and that you would uh, uh, help everything to go according as you would see fit in your plan. We do pray for uh, these requests that have been mentioned of people that are battling cancer, uh, those that have health issues that uh, they're struggling with, and, Lord, we do pray that you would touch their bodies. Lord, a number of people tonight that we've mentioned that have cancer and uh, are needing a special uh, healing and touch. And, Lord, we ask that you would... um, allow those that are not saved or that we don't know if they're saved or not, that you would allow them to uh, have their uh, cancer put into remission at least to the length of time that we could share the gospel with them and that they would have that opportunity to hear it. And, Lord, may we be able and available to do those things, and I pray that you would use us in that way. Uh, Then, Father, for uh, those that need guidance and direction, uh, those that are uh, battling Uh, having to stay at home and not being able to get out of their houses. Uh, I pray that you would give grace there and strength. And then, Father, that you would bless uh, here at our church as we uh, assemble back together this Sunday and uh, encourage people to come back to church and be a part of the services, that you would would, uh, put that upon their hearts. And then, Father, that you would bless the service tonight. May it be something that's an encouragement to us and a help to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, if you will. Turn to Luke chapter number 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter number 4. And um, I'm going to, uh, Lord willing, teach tonight, and then I will be gone uh, next Wednesday night. Brother uh, Mike Tull will be preaching, teaching next Wednesday night. And then I'll be also gone the following Sunday. My daughter's getting married down in Alabama, 
and I've got to go down and do the service for her. And so, uh, Brother, you're going to get some good preaching a week from Sunday. Uh, Brother Dan's going to preach for you all day, Lord willing. Is that correct? Are we still on target for that? So you'll get some good preaching for once. And uh, invite some people to come and be a part of that service. We'd uh, love to hear uh, that we had a good crowd that day. And I promise you it'll be a blessing to you and a help to you. So uh, make plans for that. And uh, But then, uh, Lord willing, um, we'll do a follow-up lesson to tonight, uh, the Wednesday when I'm back. And uh, I don't think it'll take more than two Wednesday nights. And uh, we're going to deal with a, an issue that um, I dealt with right after I became pastor here back in um, August. I think it was first part of December of 2017. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things that I think is a very, very important issue, and especially as we have people come and go in the church uh, for us to deal with, and uh, that is the, the topic of dealing with how, how we live our lives, rather, by Bible principles. And I know we talk about doing it a lot, but we're going to go into some depth to, uh, tonight and, Lord willing, in a couple Wednesday nights on uh, not only why we should do it, but then how do we go about forming principles from God's Word. And the biggest thing is how do we implement them into our lives? Uh, a lot of us know a lot of Scripture. A lot of people have been saved long enough that there's very little that preachers can preach on that we've not at least touched on the topic or the subject matter. But a lot of us fail, and I, and I know this is one of the great struggles I've had throughout my life, is how do you take the things that you learn from the pages and get them to, to play out in our lives? How do you integrate them into your life? And so we're going to deal with that and try to help with those things. Uh, how we go about finding uh, Bible principles, um, how we go about implementing them into our lives, and uh, along those things. Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter number 4, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now, the background of this is that the Lord has uh, is getting ready to start His, his earthly ministry, and uh, He's going into the wilderness uh, to be tempted by Satan. And we, So, kind of give you the background of the setting that we're getting into in verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And by the way, let me just stop and say this on this. Uh, not every time we find ourselves in the wilderness are we there uh, because of God's judgment or because of some sin that we're being punished or chastened for. There are times that God leads us into the wilderness. And perhaps for time of testing, perhaps for times to bring us closer to Him, but uh, the, whole, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. In verse number 2, it says, Being forty days tempted of the devil. <coughs> and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward, uh, hung, uh, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, And if, you'll, uh, if you're in the habit of underlining, maybe underline these three words. It is written, it is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All, the, all this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, uh, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all this shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for here it is again. It is written, 
Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. Notice this, verse number 10. For it is what? Who's speaking here? Satan is speaking here, isn't he? Mm, very important. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, we find here that Jesus uses the, the principles of God's Word to make the decision of his life, if you will, to, to respond to the tempting of the devil. And we certainly know that, that two different times uh, the Lord said, It is written. The last time he said, It is said. And he was able to do that since he was the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so anything that Jesus said was also the Word, isn't it? And uh, so we find that three times. But I want you to also notice that by the third time that it came around, Satan had kind of caught on. And so he says, well, it is written. And he takes portion of Scripture and he twists it into something that it was never intended to be. And so what I, what I want to get across by this passage, and then we're going to start dealing with some practical issues of, of establishing Bible principles, is the importance that we rightly divide and understand Bible principles. Because while Jesus used them in the right way, Satan did the exact same thing but used it in the wrong way. So we're going to give you four statements tonight uh, to start with. And uh, these are just kind of introductory uh, statements that uh, if you want to write them down, that's fine. If not, I believe we're streaming it and you can go back and watch these again later if you didn't get all of them. But I'm going to give you four introductory statements that are very, very important for us as we get into the onset of establishing and living by Bible principles. First of all, every Christian is involved in a spiritual warfare every day. We need to be understanding of this fact, that we are involved in not just uh, uh, trying to live our life um, among society, but there is a spiritual battle and a spiritual warfare that you and I are involved in whether we want to be or not, every day. When we trust Christ as our Savior, Satan goes on the warpath. And he's going to do everything he can, as a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying not to hurt us, not to, not to dissuade us, not to discourage us. He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to annihilate our testimony and our life. And we need to understand, and, and, and we need to live with this thought in mind. Because if we don't understand this one, we won't understand the importance of, of living by our Bible principles. They, they will become suggestions to us, or they will become a good idea for us. But they will not be critical in our lives if we do not understand this truth. Every day, every Christian is involved in spiritual warfare. Number two, every day we will either experience triumph or defeat in that spiritual warfare. Every day, we're going to experience one or the other. Number three, it is God's desire that we triumph in this warfare every day. That is what He wants and longs for. Very important that we understand this. And you say, Brother Greg, these are so simple and they're so obvious, and they are. But we fail to acknowledge them many times, don't we? It's amazing how we can get through a day 
and not realize any of this has happened that day. And then the fourth one I want to give you is we can only be victorious. This is what God wants us to be. We can only be victorious as we know and live by Bible principles. One of the great things that's very, very important in this, in this study is that we learn how to recognize and to rightly divide Bible principles. But beyond knowing it, that's really the second most important thing. The, the first most important thing is that we do them. That is the critical thing. For we can know the, the principles of God's Word and not do them. We end up being like uh, what James describes in his book, a hearer only and not a doer. So we've got to be very, very careful. It is written is the, is, the, is the underlying thing that we need to keep in mind when it comes to living by Bible principle. Because we're going to ask a couple of questions, uh, probably three questions throughout this study. The first one that I've, I've got written down here is, what principles should we live by? By the way, you're going to live by somebody's principles. What principles should we live by? And we're going to take a few minutes on this one. Uh, there is uh, a book that was written years ago, several years ago, um, called Rushing to Toward Gomorrah. Rushing Toward Gomorrah. Um, in that book, the author of the book uh, speaks of or uses a term or a phrase called defining deviance down. And he uses uh, a concept and an illustration I've used before here and uh, had used it for many, many years. And then I, the way he describes it really puts it into a nice package to understand it. And that is this, that typically speaking, uh, there is a, uh, an identification of our morals that oftentimes in Christian circles we identify the moral center by our distance from the world. And uh, we say, okay, we are... Um, we're not like the world. In fact, we are separated from the world. And the way we know that is we always look to the world to see how separated we are. And that's a problem in a Christian's life. Because one thing that we know is that Jesus Christ is the same, what, yesterday, today, and at least for the next 20 minutes, right? For how long? Forever. He is unmovable. He's unchanging. Therefore, His principles are what? They're unmoving, aren't they? They're unchanging. They're unmoving. They're not going to drift. When we, when we start to uh, measure ourselves and to, to center our morals at a particular distance from the world, understand this, that the Bible says that in the last days this world's going to wax worse and worse. And what will end up happening is we may start out our Christian life excited about God's Word and learning about God's Word and saying, boy, the Bible says it, that must be true, and we haven't been saved long enough to doubt it. By the way, you realize that that's a tendency sometimes. When you get saved, you have faith of a child, you just take the Bible for what it says. There was a guy years ago, I heard the story told, and I don't know if it's true or not, but a guy came to a a girl, an infidel, came to a little girl one time and trying to stump her and, and trick her up because he knew she was a Christian. And she said, do you honestly believe, he, he asked her, said, do you honestly believe that Jonah swallowed the whale? Well, obviously Jonah didn't swallow the whale. The whale swallowed Jonah. But he's trying to trick this little girl. And he looked, she was too smart for him. She said, no, sir, uh, the whale didn't, or Jonah didn't swallow the whale. The whale swallowed Jonah. 
But she said, if the Bible had told me that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd have believed that too, she said. Because the truth is that when we get saved and we have that, that childlike faith, we just happen to believe the Bible. God said it. That's all that matters. And as we mature, age-wise usually, chronologically, all of a sudden we begin to say, well, yeah, most of the Bible is important to me. Well, I know the Bible says this, but, but boy, I don't want to be known as one of these, you know, Billy Bible thumpers. I don't want to be one of these fanatical Christians. And so I'm not going to live my life quite by that standard of Scripture. I'm still separated from the world, though. The problem is that world keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And typically, this is a general rule of thumb. I know there are exceptions to the rule. But typically, the generation following us will center their moral center at the extreme of our deviance. What we say is that's the line I don't cross because there it's, it goes from being right to wrong or it goes from being questionable to wrong. That's where they're going to center their morals. And then the following generation will do that. And, and by the way, we've seen it happen in our churches, haven't we? we? We've watched as our churches. There are things going on in our churches today that I couldn't go to as a kid and, and watch. There, was, there, was a, there are concerts that are held in churches. There are, are music things and productions that they do on stages. And, pla- and by the way, I don't even want to call them a platform. I call them a stage in a church like that. That they, go, they do these production things that, to be honest with you, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to go to. But we've changed, haven't we? That's now become acceptable. In 2013, I don't know the name of the fellow that was doing it, but it was a news commentator on a news channel, one of the, one of the major news networks. As they were discussing the topic of same-sex marriage, and the, the, the commentator that was on there that was the anchor of the show said, we need to get this, and then he used a, a, a foul word, but we need to get this stuff out of the Bible. That was his comment. And folks, I'm not saying that we need to remove anything out of the Bible. That's the world's mindset. But if we're not careful in our lives, we will move away from following scriptural principles for our lives. And we will just try to be better than the world. We've got to get to a point where we come back to what does the Bible say. And I'm going to live my life that way. By the way, <laughs> there, there are things in there that I'll be honest with you, I don't like. Because they deal with things that my flesh loves. But I know that they're good for me. And I know that they're right. And so because of that, I'm going to try to live by them. So we need to understand these things. Now, a Bible principle is an unchanging rule that is based, and this is critical, it's based on the character of God by which we govern our lives. It has to be based on God's character. If we read something in Scripture and we say, okay, I think there's a principle there that I can put into place in my life, and so we write this principle down, and in a couple of weeks we'll talk about how we go about establishing that principle and then integrating it into our lives. But as we look at it, we think, well, that just doesn't seem to fit the character of God. Maybe it doesn't fit His holiness. Maybe there's things, examples in Scripture where God didn't really 
look favorably on that, and we're saying that's a Bible principle, then we can rest assured that we've done what Satan did here and that we have misused the Scripture. Very, very important that we come to Scripture and understand that it will be an unchangeable truth that is always going to be in agreement with God's own character that we're now going to establish in our life to use it to live our lives by. So a couple of things is, what, what principles, a couple of questions we ask, what principles should we live by? Uh, we live uh, in a day where the Bible speaks about uh, in the last days, as it was in the days of Noah, the Bible says, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, I, I, I've heard that quoted over the years. I went and I thought, well, what was it like in the days of Noah? So I went back and I looked at the time of Noah. You know what it said about the society and the culture of the day in the days of Noah? It said this, every man did that which was right according to God's law. Is that what it says? No. It says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So we have different sources for principles, don't we? We have the Bible. We have the flesh. We have the world, which could be part of the flesh, I guess. But can I tell you this? We have for far too long allowed things to come into our lives and say that we are law-abiding, upright citizens simply because we have obeyed the law of the land. Can I tell you this? That we ought not govern our lives by what we're allowed to do because there are things that we're allowed to do that are not in keeping with God's principles. And the, the day we live in, we're seeing it happen more and more. I, I taught this lesson almost three years ago in this church. And can I tell you this? In three years, we've seen a moral decline. In the last 90 days, we've seen a moral decline. And, and how are we going to stand on things? Are we going to move and keep our distance from the world? Or are we going to say, no, I want to go back to the thing that I know is unchanging. It does not move. It does not change. And that is God's Word. So we're going to look at some things here. All right, why? The second question is why should we live by these principles? I wrote down a few reasons why we ought to live by Bible principle rather than by the world's principle. Number one, because we love God. And by the way, that ought to be, the Bible says that's the greatest commandment. That's the greatest commandment. And if this is what pleases Him, then that's what I want to do because I love Him. Uh, if it displeases him, that's the thing I want to stay away from because I love him with all my heart. Number two, to glorify God. To lift him up to people who don't think as highly of him as they should. The psalmist uses it this way, magnify the Lord. Lift him up. To please God. To please God is another reason. Another reason so that God can work in our lives. If we're not doing God's life the way that God intended us to live it, it makes it to where He does not work in our lives the way He longs to. We either quench or grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And every time I fail to live by Bible principles, in essence, what I'm telling the Holy Spirit is, Shh, just be quiet, you stay over there, I want to do this. And the Holy Spirit is not able to work in my life the way that He longs to do. Number three, or number four, whatever we're on, of, of why we should follow these. 
Because we belong to Him. We belong to Him. You ever thought about this? God owns us because He created us. <laughs> he owns us. He made us. He is our Creator. He's our Maker. And as if that wasn't enough that He made us, when we rebelled and, and man fell and sin came into the world, He also redeemed us and bought us back again a second time. He already had ownership because of creation. But when we gave ourselves over to Satan... He came and redeemed us from our sin. Does He have right to tell us how we ought to live our lives? Absolutely He does. He has every right to come and tell us. Do we have right to get upset at God and say, Well, God, you're just being too mean. You're being too strict. Uh, no, no, because He owns me. And by the way, He owns you. He's bought you with the price. And then the last one I wrote down here is because... The generation to follow is always watching us. Why should we live by Bible principle? Because the generation to follow will center their morals at our extreme. So we better make sure that our center core of our morals are established on God's principles and not drifting to the deviant side. We've got to be so careful of this. Young people are, are very perceptive. Have you ever noticed that? They can see through some of the... They, they have discernment beyond their years sometimes in watching you and I and our testimony, our exampleship. And they will set their standards and their morals. And oftentimes they will look to us as an example. And then the third question I wrote down, and we'll deal with this one a little bit more in detail here in a few weeks, uh, is how do we develop and apply these principles? Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a... Uh, introduction to that one uh, tonight, and then we'll go a lot more in detail with it and actually help you with it uh, two weeks from tonight. But you know, somebody once said that you can give a man a fish and feed him today, or you can teach him to fish and feed him for a lifetime. And I, I think that that principle uh, kind of holds true a lot in our spiritual lives, especially when it comes to the typical Christian's mindset of attending church. They think, boy, I can go to church and I can learn all that I need to know by attending church. Can I tell you this? That's not enough. You, you come here, you're here, you hear three services a day on Sunday, one on Wednesday, if you come to all of them. And yet there's so many hours of the week in between. And there needs to be something that is given to teach people how they can go to the Bible for themselves. And dig the nuggets out of the Scripture. It's almost like a, 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 the old gold miners. You know, they'd, they'd go into that, that shaft and they'd stay in there for hours at a time. And they'd, they'd chop away at that rock and they'd get tired and their muscles would ache. But they would keep going, searching for that one little thing that was just wow. And can I tell you this, that we live in a day, and I, and I don't mean this to be derogatory to anyone in particular or to sound bad, but the truth is, we're very lazy in our Christian lives a lot of times when it comes to the study of God's Word. Not, I'm not saying the reading. I know a lot of people read God's Word. But when we stop and we look in, I love it. I, I, get a, I have probably three or four people now in our church that call me from time to time. Pastor, you got a minute? You got a Bible handy? I've been reading here. I, I, can you help? Let's, let's talk about this. And there's times I'll be on the phone for an hour sometimes with people discussing a passage of Scripture. We'll pull it out and we'll look 
And we'll find other scriptures and we'll try to, to solve that, that, that thought because we want to dig for this. We want to know what does the Bible say about this. We want to be right on it. We want to be accurate on it. And so, so I love when people do that. I, I don't, if you're here and you think, boy, I, I don't know if I should call pastor or not, call me. I love doing that. That's, that's some of the things I enjoy doing. If I don't know the answer, we'll find it out together. But um, I, I want to encourage us in this that we dedicate ourselves to this idea of finding principles uh, on our own. We don't have to wait until Sunday morning church for a principle to be given to us from Scripture. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not enough. We need to be able to go to God's Word and understand how to find principles. Now, I'm going to give you three types real quick, and then we're going to be done. There are three types that you will find in Scripture, and um, one of them is the easiest one to find, and that's what I call an explicit principle, an explicit principle. I'll give you an example of that. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1. And we're going to look at our very first explicit principle tonight. And First uh, Peter chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to read verses 15 and 16. Peter writes, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye, what? Holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye, what? Holy, for I am holy. Now, that's a pretty easy principle to understand, isn't it? What do you think, if we really get our commentaries out and dig down deep into these verses, we really study hard. I mean, we look into the Greek, we look into the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. What do you think the principle of these verses are? Be ye... You think? <laughs> okay. And I say that to be somewhat facetious here. Those are the ones we love to find, aren't they? Because they're so easy, you can't, you can't really miss them. They are explicitly stated in Scripture. There are others that we find in Scripture that are not explicit, but what I would call implied, implied principles of Scripture. I'll give you a couple of examples of this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to go verse number 16 and 17. Know ye not... And by the way, um, you can go back and read this chapter. It's interesting because uh, verses 16 and 17 are almost parenthetically inserted into this chapter. And so I don't want you to get the idea thinking that we're only picking two verses and we're ignoring the context. The, there, there's a thought process going on here about uh, a man's works being judged and tried. And then it's almost as if right in the middle of that conversation, Paul stops and says, by the way, let me say something here. You know how sometimes I do like, time out, let's go over here for a minute and then we're going to come back? That's kind of what Paul does here in verses 16 and 17. So these do stand on their own pretty much. As it says, and if any man's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse number 16, know ye not that ye are the what? Temple of God. Now, what is that speaking of when it says, you are the temple of God? Is that speaking about our soul or our bodies? Okay? The Bible speaks about it being our body, doesn't it? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, 
and you're not your own. So let's see if it says it any further here. As we go on down, that, uh, that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God does what? It dwelleth in us. So, so understand this. Paul is establishing a foundation that he's going to build a principle on. There's, there's a, a, a thought here that he says, and it's an irrefutable thought, we are the temple of God, and that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of our body. All right? Now, notice this. If any man defile the, what are the next three words? What are they? Temple of God, which is the body, right? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is what? Holy, which temple ye are. So we find here that, that we are to keep the body undefiled. So we have a principle here. Is there anything explicitly stated that God gives that is a defilement to the body in these passages? No. He just simply says, don't defile it. So now we have to say, okay, there's an implied principle here. How can I take a principle of not defiling the temple and apply it to my life? <laughs> this is going to be a tough one for me, okay? Overeating. <laughs> Does that defile the temple of God? Does it cause this body not to operate as well as it should? It does, doesn't it? That's one I have a struggle with. All right? What about uh, social drinking? Does that defile the, the body? talks about using a little wine for the stomach's sake and for medicinal things. I think if you ended up taking NyQuil for a cold one night, it's not going to be the end of the world. But you're not supposed to be drinking alcohol. We find other areas of Scripture that talks about drinking alcohol, and it talks about how you're accursed. If you give it to your friend, you're accursed for giving it to your friend when it moveth itself aright in the cup. And so God would not go against his character. Again, we're coming back to those things. Uh, what about smoking? That's a tough one. I know that it gets a hold of people. I've, I've got relatives of mine that cannot give up the, the, the habit. I, 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 my heart hurts for them. But it's something that's defiling the temple. It's a principle, isn't it? Uh, so this would be considered an implied. In other words, we're going, to, we're going to develop the principle, and then we're going to, when we go to make application to our lives, that's going to be one of the questions we ask. Will what I'm getting ready to do defile my temple? Okay, let's, let's use another thought. What about the things that we see? <laughs> Do they defile the temple? Can they defile the temple? Yes, they can. Internet, rampant. Uh, television, almost anymore. You can't hardly turn on Andy Griffith without having a problem with the commercials. What about what we listen to? Would that defile the temple? Okay, so we have an implied principle. Do you see the, the concept here? Now we have a principle that... It's not saying cut and dry, this is right, this is wrong. It's saying here's something that can be applied. And God in His perfection wrote it this way because He knew that society was going to change. He knew that circumstances we live in were going to change. And there had to be a principle that we could keep coming back to as an anchor point and say, is this going to defile my temple? 
Now look with me in Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. And uh, look in, uh, I'm sorry, I say Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 4, excuse me, and uh, verse number 8. When I was dating, this was one of my favorite verses because it says that you're supposed to think on whatsoever thing is lovely. And so I used to say, well, you can always teach a young lady to be godly, but you can't teach them to be pretty, so you need to marry a pretty girl and then teach her to be godly. Now, don't, don't take me for that. That was what I used to think when I was younger. Don't, don't, don't give any credence to that because that was doing what Satan did, misusing the Scripture, okay? <laughs> so let's look at verse number 8, Philippians 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, now this is a great one for finding implied principles. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Does it give you a specific lie? Does it give you a specific lack of integrity that it's dealing with you, or just integrity as a whole? To be applied in every situation. All right? So whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. By the way, we, we've, we've left justice behind. In our, we've been so focused on mercy that we leave justice behind. There was a situation the other day. Someone called me for some uh, advice on something, of uh, something that somebody had done illegally. I said, you need to call the police. And they said, oh, I don't want to do that. And the idea was, but what if they go and do that again to somebody else? It's not that you're trying to hurt them. You're trying to protect others. And there, there still needs to be godly justice. Not, not judgmental, not arrogancy, not overly stepping our bounds. But when somebody's wrong about something, we need to deal with that. If it's a brother in Christ, we're trying to help restore them in that. Okay, so understand that. Whatsoever things are pure. Well, that's a big one, isn't it? Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. That's going to cut out a lot of things on Facebook, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to cut a lot of the news uh, programs we listen to or watch. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise... Think on these things. So all of a sudden I have a principle that's given. It's an implied principle, and it's one that can be applicable to multiple circumstances in my life. My mind needs to think on things that fit this criteria. And if it doesn't fit this criteria, get it out of the mind. Don't think on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't allow it to feed the flesh. Get it out of the life. And that's what we would call an implied principle. The last one is a lot more difficult. And by the way, you can be authoritative on, expl on explicit principles and on implied principles. And you could even be dogmatic on what I call the third one, which is the inferred principle. You can be dogmatic about it, but it is not one that you uh, can forcefully tell somebody else they need to follow. Up until now, you can come to these two principles and say, the Bible says this, this needs to be in our lives. The other one is an inferred principle. It's still to be found, and the best illustration I can probably use for that would be the story of Abraham and Isaac. And we're not going to take time to read the entire passage. We know the story. When God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son Isaac. And we understand tonight, and I've used this illustration before in church, that God was not trying to get a hold of Isaac through that process, was he? He was trying to get a hold of who? Abraham. 
He's trying to get Abraham's heart. Would we be in agreement on that? So we learn something from that story. By the way, the parables many times will give you inferred principles. Um, but we learn something from that story that's very valuable to us. And that is this. When it comes to obedience to God, even family comes second. Now, I am a firm believer that God gives us the church. He gives us our families. And uh, he's, he's established these, these entities in our lives. Marriage in the home is a big deal. But you'll find when Jesus even was in his earthly ministry, by example, when he went to call the disciples, the Bible says that they straightway left their nets and did what? They followed him. Jesus, and I can't quote it verbatim, but the, the gist of the verse taught that if, a man doesn't forsake his father and mother, and he uses the word, I think here, it, 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 he, somewhere in that thing, it gives the idea of hating your father, your mother, your brother, your sister. And he's not saying you're to hate them. What he's trying to say is you're to love God in such a way that the love you have for your family would seem as hate. And that's the idea that he was getting across on the thing. I, I, I think we love, we love and cherish our families. It's something that, that we should not ever take for granted. And we ought, to, we ought to certainly pour ourselves into them. But when God tells us to do something, our obedience to Him must be first. Now, <laughs> let me give you the caveat. There are a lot of things in our life that our flesh wants to do that we put in the category of God told me to do it. And God really didn't. So we come back to the first thing we talked about with regarding the Bible principles, and that is this. It must be within the character of God. If He tells you to do something and it's not within His character, then you have misunderstood what He was trying to tell you. So we need to, we need to learn uh, the types of principles there are. By knowing the types, we can start finding them in Scripture. And then, Lord willing, two weeks from tonight, um, we'll, we're going to spend some time in the service. Actually, we'll, we'll go through probably a dozen or so, maybe as many as a dozen, and we'll develop them from Scripture. We'll give you some illustrations of how to do that um, and give you some more guidelines on how to implement them into our lives. Because, again, knowing them and then getting them into our lives is usually the hardest part. Getting, getting them into our minds is not usually the hard part. It's getting them in, into our lives. And so I hope that will be a help to you. Um, and again, it, this, this will be something that whether I'm here, you know, if the Lord called me home tomorrow, you would know how to go to God's Word and find Bible principles. Um, if you, heaven forbid, that we ever get to a place where uh, this church has to go underground or there comes times where we're not able to meet lawfully, and you only have small groups and small pieces of Scripture available to you. You say, Brother Greg, that couldn't happen. There are other countries that used to think that too. That we know and understand how we are to deal with the Scriptures. How we find things in them that we live our lives by. And, and let's establish them. Uh, this, thing is, this thing is unmovable. This book right here does not change. The principles in it. 
are not open for any private interpretation. They are the truth regardless. And I think that there certainly are times where we can apply them to different circumstances. Maybe I apply it to a circumstance over here. You'd have a different circumstance. But the truth will always be the same. And we always can live by those principles. So I want to encourage you in that. And I hope that will be a help to you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word and how it teaches and instructs us. I pray that you will bless the time that we spend both tonight and in a couple of weeks as we deal with this idea of living our lives by biblical principle. And Lord, how much we are needing this kind of teaching in the day that we live. And in fact, even in just recent days, how important it is for God's people to be well grounded in this thing of Bible principle. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, we'll be back here in two weeks. I, I, there was one thing I did want to say, and I'll reiterate it in two weeks. But uh, I mentioned about not measuring ourselves by the world. Next, in two Wednesday nights, I'm going to deal with the topic also in that. Not measuring ourselves by each other either. Uh, so we'll talk about that and give some thought to that, and uh, we'll deal with that next Wednesday. Thank you all for being here tonight.